the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. With an abundance of caution and appropriate social distancing, we are pressing forward with the Georgine Rice Show in which we will feature our interview of the week, as well as a little bit of uh, the lighter side of the news. James Blend will be joining me for that portion of today's program. Uh, but again, uh, we're going to exercise all of the hygienic advice that we've been getting in this COVID-19 environment. And I want to let you know, if you were planning on attending the Encourage Gathering uh, Conference that was to begin today and uh, continue through tomorrow. That is being postponed to the summer. And you can either go to the uh, Facebook page for Encourage Gathering, again, spelled with an I, or on the website. And there's a message there explaining uh, why that is the case. Now, the good news is because so many women wanted to attend, it exceeded that 250 threshold that was announced by the governor. And I so appreciated what Tara had to say about while this is disappointing, and this was a great conference, to see it postpone is just, it breaks your heart. Um, God knew this ahead of time, and anticipating what he has in store for the summer is a great opportunity for all of us. So um, check that out, but do know that Encourage Gathering is not going to take place this weekend, uh, but you can find out more details and stay connected with Encourage so that you can find out when that reschedule will take place. So wanted to give you a heads up on that. Before we begin taking a look at the lighter side of the news, we do want to take a look at the headlines, beginning with the coronavirus. We'll test a growing concern uh, for the states as cases have mounted was addressed by the president uh, just this afternoon as the total number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. climbed to 1,325 on Thursday with nearly 40 deaths nationwide. Many state officials have signaled frustration about the lack of tests being conducted to detect COVID-19. Well, the federal government has issued no official numbers for the country's overall testing capacity and different agencies have offered different figures. Now, we're going to talk in just a few minutes about the president who has declared a national emergency and presented an answer to these questions, but these were the headlines. Again, the federal government has issued no official number for the country's overall testing capacity, and different agencies have offered different figures. Lawmakers have suggested an estimated 2.4 million tests exist that could cover 800,000 Americans. Each test kit distributed to laboratories and testing centers is said to include two swabs, one each for the nose and mouth, but conflicting data has sparked angst uncertainty and confusion about the availability of the tests. So the president's uh, press conference earlier today, which was much longer than anticipated, at least answered some of those questions. The administration um, uh, officials have left a lot of questions unanswered earlier in the day, particularly on the nation's testing capacity. U.S. Representative Mark Walker pointed out, a Republican from North Carolina, I believe the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention struggle to give a really strong answer on being able to duplicate some of the places like South Korea. The Asian nation, far smaller than the U.S., has reportedly been testing its citizens at a far greater rate. Well, one of the explanations that came out of that press conference was the fact that the CDC and our 
um, public health system was not structured to deal with this particular kind of uh, pandemic. And again, they answered the uh, the way that they're addressing it now. Well, U.S. Coronavirus Task Force member Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health told House members on Thursday that the U.S. needs to improve its testing procedures. The system is not really geared to what we need right now, he said. That is a failing. Uh, let's admit it. So he talked about the system, which in this press conference uh, today was addressed and apparently has been mitigated. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner and current resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, a conservative think tank, said on Thursday that he believed U.S. labs could process results for more than 20,000 patients per day, a figure based on a combination of publicly reported information and historical estimates from government, private, and academic labs. But it's a theoretical figure. Again, the press conference addressing that and much more. We'll carry on with your everyday lives, leaders typically say in times of crisis, but not so with the coronavirus outbreak. Sports leagues, theme parks, vacation resorts have been scaling back or even shutting down temporarily as concern grows about how to stop the outbreak. The NBA suspended its remaining season until further notice after a second Utah Jazz player tested positive for coronavirus. Major League Soccer and NHL uh, followed suit. Major League Baseball announced Thursday it will cancel the rest of spring training and delay the start of the regular season for at least two weeks with the outbreak. And forget about March Madness. The NC2A announced Thursday it has canceled the Division I men and w- men's and women's 2020 basketball tournaments over the coronavirus outbreak. In addition, the PGA Tour said that it was canceling the Players' Championship and at least three subsequent tournaments. Kids face disappointment, too. Disneyland in California will close on Saturday amid concerns over the spread of the virus. Disneyland Resort said in a statement Thursday that the flagship park and Disneyland California Adventure, located side-by-side side, uh, uh, south of Los Angeles, will remain closed through the end of the month. And that, of course, spans spring break. The resort says hotels will remain open until Monday so guests can make travel arrangements. Theme parks at World Disney World Resort in Florida and Disneyland Paris Resort will close from Sunday morning through the end of the month as well. Tours, awards shows, conventions, festivals nationwide on Thursday announced cancellations and postponements at a rapid clip, with concert tours being postponed, movie releases shifting, and Broadway theaters going dark. In other news, lawmakers uh, tried to hash out the details of a coronavirus uh, legislation in the hope of passing the relief package for families and workers Thursday night. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the vote was more likely to occur on Friday, if that. It's fair to say we are close to an agreement subject to an exchange of paper and hope to have an agreement tomorrow, Pelosi said late yesterday, adding that the vote will happen Friday one way or another. Passing of a bill would be a confidence builder, she said, urging Americans to get tested, tested, tested. Well, the House will introduce the coronavirus bill as a suspension proposal allowed it to, or rather allowing it to move directly to the floor without a rules committee debate. The bill will require approval from two-thirds of lawmakers with significant Republican buy-ins added to the package. Federal Reserve uh, is going to inject $1.5 trillion into markets to offset the economic impact of the coronavirus. And the Chinese government spokesman says U.S. military may have brought the virus to China. Yeah, nice try. The NRA has canceled its annual meeting and Major League Baseball announced Thursday it will cancel the rest of its spring training and um, regular season. 
Justin Trudeau's wife has tested positive for the new coronavirus, and the U.S. has launched airstrikes in Iraq against the Iranian-backed militias that attacked that uh, after the attack that killed coalition troops. And oh, by the way, buried from the Trump Tower meeting, translator telling FBI no collusion. Real Clear Investigations has more on that. The 1619 Project leaders admits she got it wrong, huh? This after the New York Times rolled out this uh, false narrative of the founding of the republic. And U.S. soccer president Carlos Cordero, he resigns amid women's national team's paying, uh, pay dispute. And if you've had enough, taxed enough already, Californians have turned down higher taxes and the debt the state has been carrying. Well, on this day in history, Confederate President Jefferson Davis signed a measure allowing black slaves to enlist in the Confederate States Army with a promise they would be set free. Oh, I could certainly go off on that, but I won't. On this day in history, 1901, Benjamin Harrison, the 23rd president of the United States, dies in Indianapolis at age 67. And in 1996, a gunman bursts into an elementary school in uh, Dunblane, Scotland, and opens fire, killing 16 children and one teacher before taking his own life. 2009, on this very day, the Philadelphia 76ers play their final game at the Spectrum, beating the Chicago Bulls 104-101. to 2013, on this day in history, George Bergoglio of Argentina is elected Pope, choosing the name Francis and becoming the first pontiff from the Americas and the first from outside Europe in more than a millennium. And in 2018, on this day, Joy Behar of The View apologizes. I need to repeat that part. Joy Behar of The View apologizes for suggesting that mental illness is behind claims by people that Jesus talks to them. Her comment came during a discussion about Vice President Mike Pence. Hmm. Well, as mentioned, the president in a a press conference earlier today declared a national emergency over the coronavirus and enlisted the private sector to move uh, the response forward. He declared the national emergency over the outbreak with extensive disruptions to the economy and American life, announcing partnerships with major U.S. companies to expand testing capabilities while saying he believes the crisis will pass. The president also announced that he would likely be tested for coronavirus fairly soon after having been in contact with several individuals who have self-quarantined or tested positive for the virus. Speaking to reporters, the president also said the administration is working to dramatically increase the availability of tests amid concerns over the availability of testing for the virus across the country. Meanwhile, in the state of Oregon, the governor has announced a state of emergency here as well. Governor Kate Brown addressed the media and took questions at uh, 11 a.m. on uh, a decision to close Oregon schools. I'm sort of Uh, Scanning this press conference, schools are critical institutions that provide important services for all our students. And during this crisis, I have worked hard to ensure those critical services continue. However, schools are experiencing critical shortages in staff and superintendents are concerned for school personnel who are also at an elevated risk. So the um, governor decided that she was going to send students home beginning Monday, March the 16th through Tuesday, the 31st of March. The press conference uh, took place as a teleconference to um, pay homage to the fact that we are in the midst of social distancing. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And yes, there still is lighter news. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon, at least a portion of 
a fun Friday afternoon. Also want to remind you, if you were planning to attend the Encourage Conference at Rolling Hills Church, the Encourage Gathering has been postponed until this summer. As you know, the governor issued a directive saying that groups of 250 or more uh, would be um, would not be permitted to gather. Now, constitutionally, I'm not sure they have the authority to do that, but I think we all have a buy-in. And so the Encourage Gathering has been postponed until summer. You can go to their Facebook page or to their webpage. Uh, there's a, a beautiful statement there about all of this. Of course, Tara is disappointed, as are all of the women who are either presenting or planning on attending. Uh, but God has his hand on this ministry, and there will be an opportunity in the summer. So check that out, if you will. Well, you know, you have to maintain. And by the way, James Blend has joined me in studio. Welcome, James. Welcome to me as well. Yeah, welcome to you as well. You have to maintain a certain level of um, a sense of humor through these kinds of events because it can be very challenging. I thought that the Babylon Bee sort of nailed it with two of their pieces earlier today I wanted to share. The headline for the Babylon Bee that I think you would appreciate, James. Yes. Nations, nerds, wake up in utopia where everyone stays inside, sports are canceled, social interaction forbidden. You know, there's a T-shirt, and I keep meaning to get it, uh, or, that, I, that I see online from time to time that says, introverts unite apart <laughs> in your own homes. Um, and that that's... I've I've said to a couple of people over the past couple of days I've like you know all things aside with what's going on the term social distancing in any other circumstance sounds like a dream come true to me. <laughs> now you might be surprised, but I'm actually an introvert as well. I am a little surprised. Yeah, I I definitely am, but I make myself do otherwise. That's my calling. So. I'm more that introvert that people who get to know me a little bit I get I warm up and become more extroverted yeah. with them. And so people that have known me a while completely Find forget that, yes, that yeah. I'm an absolute total introvert. Yeah, I am the same. Well, anyway, the Babylon Bee goes on. The nation's nerds woke up in a utopia this morning, one where everyone stays inside, sporting events are being canceled, and all social interaction is forbidden. All types of nerds, from social introverts to hardcore PC gamers, welcomed the dawn of this new era privately from their own homes. I have been waiting my whole life for this moment, said Ned Pendleton, 32, via text message, of course, as he fired up League of Legends on his beefy gaming PC. <laughs> they told me to take up a sport and that the kids playing basketball and stuff were going to be way more successful than us nerds who played Counter-Strike at LAN parties every weekend. They all laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now? End quote. Well, to prepare for the onslaught of the deadly disease, nerds are changing absolutely nothing and are expected to rise up to rule the post-coronavirus society as they are the ones best adjusted to being sheltered in a basement garage or room for many days at a time, marathoning Halo, Half-Life, The Legend of Zelda, Red Dead, Redemption, or Horizon Zero Dawn. They're also ready for a any post-apocalyptic wasteland as they've played many, many hours of Fallout and are adept at killing bloat, <laughs> bloat, fa- flies, bloat flies, bloat uh, flies and collecting bottle caps. Of course, many nerds are running out of hygienic products, but they say that's not an issue. Anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. That was definitely funny. But wait, there's more. Again, there is? From the Babylon B. <laughs> the headline, parents worry they'll have to raise their own children as government schools shut down. Ooh. <laughs> U.S. Parents across the nation have expressed their worry, fear, and shock at having to raise their own children now that government schools have temporarily shut down. Those who send their children to public schools register their displeasure at the government for not doing its main job of indoctrinating their children even temporarily. Raise, educate, and parent my children? 
said one exasperated mother as her teen sat, uh, uh, sat at home, bored and with nothing to do. But that's the government's job. What am I supposed to do? Teach them things? Instill them with my values? Train them up in the way that they should go? Honestly, if this keeps up, I'm going to move to a different country where I can count on the government to parent my children. This is ridiculous, end quote. Honestly, well, luckily, parents quickly discovered that they could just do what they usually do when their kids get home from school and let them, well, lock themselves in their room with unfettered access to the Internet, a wonderful place where nothing bad ever happens. Oh, isn't that nice? (laughs) Anyway, the Babylon Bee, which uh, specializes in satire, you can actually subscribe and have that pop up in your inbox uh, every day. Uh, Sometimes they just, they hit it nail on and just very, very funny. So much so that sometimes the mainstream media takes what they've written, their satire, as serious and have called them on it. It's actually pretty funny. Tried to accuse them of fake news. I've seen that a couple of times. Well, uh, one more serious reporter asked the question, COVID-19 preps, why are people stocking up on toilet paper? Now, this is a mystery to me. Why the toilet paper? I mean, I can think of a lot of things you want to stock up, make sure you have your prescriptions, make sure. But toilet paper, there's a run on TP. And, the, and you know, it should be abundantly clear at this point that uh, with the millions of emails we've all gotten from every business of any kind, mm-hmm. uh, I got one from Crocs, you know, the shoemaker, just a couple hours ago on what they're doing about corona. And I looked at it and didn't care. Um, But uh, uh, we we all know what the symptoms of this are, and the requirement of TP is not really attached to any of them. No. So it it is kind of mysterious sort of thing that... Well, uh, here's an attempt at an explanation. I'm I'm all for it. As COVID-19 continues to spread, hand sanitizers and disinfectant wipes are increasingly hard to come by, and now there's another item that's topping the list, toilet paper. Sanitizer is easy to understand, but why toilet paper? Well, the hashtag toilet paper apocalypse is trending on Twitter, and it's turning the stockpile of uh, toilet paper into um, the butt of Internet jokes. Stores like Costco have even put limits on how many rolls that people (laughs) can purchase in one uh, visit and having staff members pass it out. Um, Wow. Says one mental health and wellness expert, Bill Prasad, He breaks down the psychology, and this is what he says. This is very much, uh, at times, uh, a lot about copycat behavior. If you see someone in the store stocking up on toilet paper, you're thinking, okay, I should do that. That seems like a good idea. I'll do that. He says it's also about control. Stopping, I can't say stocking, stocking up on things may make you feel better because you feel like you are, well, taking some kind of action. For some people, just washing their hands, they feel like, well, that's not enough. They need to do more. The CDC recently said the elderly and those with underlying health conditions should stay close to home and have plenty of their medications, household goods, food on hand. Okay, that makes sense. As for the rest, perhaps it's best to refrain from wiping the toilet paper aisles clean and just well, take what you need. Stocking up on things may feel good, but it could be harmful also because it could create shortages. I mean, make sure I have what I need, but, you know, my neighbor, who cares? Well, the medical community has recommended that communities should prepare for social distancing, which means having a couple weeks worth of food and supplies, uh, which doesn't mean, you know, 15 uh, gigantic packages, the Costco size of um, toilet paper for the next two weeks. I mean, I have a four-year-old that occasionally likes to use toilet paper as a dress, um, make dresses out of yeah, them. Yeah, costume design. Uh, costume design, yeah. And even I don't have a shortage of TP in my house. Yeah, it's just, uh, so people just I copy. am worried, though, whenever we need it next, it won't be able to find it. <laughs> well, just keep what she, you know, fashions into garments and... Reuse it. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Well, you know, as people are getting used to this whole idea of social distancing, one little town in Italy has decided, well, while we can't be together shoulder to shoulder, face to face, there are some things we can do. Well, this deserted Italian street rings out with song as people lean out of their windows to sing together during their lockdown. And that's the way to describe it there, a lockdown. Well, as life in this um, Italian town grinds to a halt with a nationwide lockdown to control the spread of the coronavirus, one street was filled with song as the community banded their voices together in solidarity. Well, the video of people singing out of their windows on a neighborhood street in Siena, Tuscany, went viral on social media, with many calling it a beautiful act of humanity. People of my hometown, Siena, sing a popular song from their houses along an empty street to warm their hearts during the Italian COVID-19 lockdown, wrote one Twitter user who posted the video. The song is titled, and I'm sure I won't pronounce this correctly, but Canto della Verbina. Uh, And While Sienna Sleeps is a popular folk song in the city, typically sung to express local pride. It focuses on the Piazza del Campo, the main square of the city, and is traditionally sung by members of the Contrada, which uh, uh, they set up in the Middle Ages to supply the troops. Well, social media users were deeply touched by this communal singing, with some admitting it brought tears to their eyes. People breaking out into song, lifting their uh, each other's spirits during this tragedy is an act of striking beauty, one person wrote. Another, it's a reminder that, especially during a tragedy, the human spirit keeps us all going in hope. We shine our best in the darkness. Thanks, Sienna. You made our day. Another wrote, uh, reminiscent of the chants from Wuhan high-rise apartments early in the epidemic there, stay strong, Italy, prayers for you guys. Well, the lockdown in Italy has effectively quarantined nearly 16 million people and shut down all shops except supermarkets and pharmacies. The death toll from the coronavirus outbreak there rose to nearly 1,000 in Italy, and officials confirmed cases increased to over 15,000 on Thursday. So I thought... Yeah, it's worth noting, you know, we talk about how people, you know, a lot of people are talking about how bad it could get here, and we have the runs on toilet paper and stuff. The runs may not have been the right choice (laughs) of words, actually. But um, the, um, the, uh, (laughs) well, there you have it. But um, notice that how much more Italy is locked down than us. Yeah. And what's still open? The grocery store. And the pharmacy. And the pharmacy. That's it. So that that tells you everything you need to know. You don't have to get everything because it's going to take a lot worse than what Italy has now to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think as we go to break, perhaps we should break into song. What would be the song that would best reflect our current circumstance? I was thinking, na, 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 na. Na 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 na. How about my Corona? My Corona. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon, at least in part. We also have our interview of the week. That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Jeff Myers made the cut. We're going to be uh, sharing the conversation, unquestioned answers, rethinking 10 uh, Christian cliches to rediscover biblical truth. So that's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Do you want to say anything about that, James? It Can mo- I get amen? Uh, amen? All right. There you go. I, I, I'll say what about it. What would you like me to say about it? No, that was fine. You've okay. said enough. I've said, have You've I said more than enough. I was say, did I say too much? <laughs> no, no. It was just about uh, just about right. Okay, good. Now I wouldn't want to say too much. You're going a little on now. But I wouldn't want to go on. That yeah, would be, that'd yeah, be you bad. Would. Yeah, you would and you would. All right. I'm sorry I went on too long about that. Uh-huh. Really, I, I won't do it again. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I, I do sure. want you to get over it. Okay, next. You know, uh, during this kind of a pandemic, 
which, again, only means that it has spread from country to country despite efforts to prevent that from happening. It doesn't have anything to do with the severity of the virus. It has to do with how widespread it is. So that's why it's called a pandemic rather than an epidemic. But anyway, there are always people who are trying to, well, cash in. Really? People I, are trying to cash in? I know in? that's shocking. You mean the $100 hand sanitizer isn't normal price? No. Oh, Let, take this. Uh, check this headline out. Missouri sues televangelist Jim Baker for selling fake coronavirus cure. Huh? Really? Uh, um, okay. Televangelist uh, Jim Baker. Is he still a televangelist or is that just I believe a he is, is, yeah. He somewhere? I, I, I've seen him on TV not recently, but semi-recently. Well, he's facing a legal challenge from the state of Missouri for selling a false remedy against the coronavirus. The COVID-19 disease currently has no cure. Well, the televangelist held up a blue and silver bottle, gazing intently at the label as he questioned the woman sitting next to him. This influenza that is now circling the globe. Okay, is he talking about corona or is he talking about influenza? Those are two different things. Now, this was apparently on the 12th of February in a broadcast. Well, here we go. The Jim Baker Show. Uh, You're saying that silver solution would be effective, he's asking. His guest, the so-called natural health expert Cheryl Selman, falsely implied that the liquid would likely be effective. Now, would likely. Is that grounds for it uh, being pushed as a cure? Well, the coronavirus impacting more than 120,000 people worldwide does not yet have a known treatment or cure. Now, we seem to be mixing metaphors here. Uh, apparently he was referring to um, influenza, which is not the coronavirus. So I don't know what kind of a case Missouri has, but it goes on. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it has been tested on other strains of the coronavirus and has been able to eliminate it within 12 hours, Selman said. Totally eliminate it, kills it, deactivates it. Okay, there you go. In trouble. Well, Silver Solution has been proven by the government that it has the ability to kill every pathogen it has ever been tested on, including SARS and HIV. Uh Selman continued, four four ounce bottles could be yours. A message on the screen said for just $80. Well, I can see where the trouble began. Selling a fake treatment for the COVID-19 disease violates state and federal law. On Tuesday, the state of Missouri filed a lawsuit against Baker and his production company to stop them from advertising or selling Silver Solution and related products as treatment for the coronavirus. Ouch. Yeah, that that's that's not so good. So just to reiterate, there is no known cure for the virus. There is not. I mean, I would certainly pray and lay hands on people and ask God for a miracle, but silver solution. And I would still wash my hands and do everything you're supposed to do, but Absolutely. Okay. Hey, tomorrow is Pi Day. And that of course oh, yeah. is PI Day. How is it celebrated across the nation? Well, March 14th is Pi Day, and you might celebrate it with a slice of PIE. With a slice of pie. That's just one way an Idaho math teacher is serving up a way to commemorate pie. In fact, I had a conversation with a coworker earlier today, and she was a little late coming in because she had to bake a pie for her daughters to take to school. Well, this year it's on Saturday and paying tribute to the mathematical constant pie, a symbol used in mathematics to represent the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. Wake up. Wake up, James. Uh, I'm trying to. Yeah. It's getting nerdy. Says Julianne Russell, a math teacher at St. Joe's in Boise. 
It allows me one day, one day, she says, as the math teacher, to celebrate. We can do something fun in class. They are excited not to have homework, and they get pie at lunch. Well, students at the Catholic school draw pie, eat pie, and recite as many digits as they can as part of a contest in which the top three winners get a pie, or actually they get to pie someone in the face. A retired Japanese engineer holds the unofficial record of digits of pie memorized uh, at 100 and, let's see, 1,011, 701 digits. Though the Guinness World Record is held by um, Ravjir Mina in India in 2015 with 70,000 digits recited. Well, the first large-scale celebration, I mean, I would love to attend that party, but... Who wouldn't? I would definitely be a wallflower and have that confused look on my face. I'd the be first, practicing social distancing. Yeah, absolutely. Out in the hallway, most likely. Yep. The first large-scale celebration was organized by Larry Shaw at a San Francisco exploration where he worked as a physicist. In 2009, Congress supported the designation of Pi Day, so it's official. I mean, if Congress said it, I believe it, that settles it. A Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Cambridge, Massachusetts, started a tradition a few years ago of sending out acceptance letters on Pi Day. Princeton, New Jersey, hosts several celebrations of Pi Day and Albert Einstein's birthday, which also happens to be March 14th, in the city where he worked for more than 20 years at the Institute for Advanced Study. In addition to pie eating and recitation contests, the city hosts an Einstein lookalike contest. And in Ocean City, New Jersey, you can sign up for a 5K run that is, you guessed it, 3.14 miles. 5K run. Okay. Well, just like many other holidays, companies have cashed in and offered deals on that special day. In the past, Whole Foods, Boston Market, Pillsbury have participated in some sort of celebration. How many digits of pie can you memorize? Well, here are uh, what 100 digits of pie look like. 3.1414-1592653589793238462643383275028841971693993745105820974944597 excuse me 59230781640628620899862803482534211 Happy Eve of Pi Day. I think I heard at least two of my former phone numbers in there and possibly a zip code. (laughs) Yeah, there went all my uh, passwords. No joke. Well, a British man has been hailed as having the world's best mullet haircut. Um, Now, my shock is anybody still wear a mullet? You remember what a mullet is. Oh, yeah. Business up front, party in the back. Party in the back, yeah. Well, he's won the world's best mullet in Mullet Fest competition. Mullet Fest. At Mullet Fest competition. This is a thing. Yeah, the 31-year-old who's still wearing a mullet, which is shocking in and of itself, a graphic designer, got his first mullet cut three years ago while on vacation in Australia, where apparently it's still worn. And uh, at first, he wasn't keen. He only had it cut for a joke, but over the years, the style began to grow on him. Or not grow on the top, you know, whichever side you're looking at. So he kept it uh, long in the back, short in the front. Now, on a return trip to Australia... Uh, he won a prize for Best International Mullet at the annual Mullet Fest held in Curry Curry, New South Wales. Now, how old did you say this guy was? He's 31. So let's see. That we're 2020. That puts his... Carry the it, two. Uh, yeah. Apostrophe that, S. That, what, what, it's about 89? I guess. That's past the peak of the mullet, even. He was born past the peak of the mullet. <laughs> he would have had one when it was original. He says, I was coming out here for a skateboard competition, and it just happened to, uh, to time with me being out here 
for that. So I go to Curry Curry and see the mullet fest itself. He says there was there was eight of us. I'm quoting. Make it's hard. Attendees. To quote. There were eight of us from all over the globe. It was good fun, a good laugh. So I guess holding the world's best mullet haircut prize competition with eight people is not all that exciting. But you know, if I was there, I'd want to be the winner. Three years ago, he said he came. Got the uh, rat's tail, and, well, the rest is now history. I genuinely feel like it's been a religious ceremony for me, Australia. You've been amazing. That was his acceptance speech for the mullet fest win. I can confirm, undeniably, I never had a mullet. Yeah, I can't see you in a mullet. No, no. Although, ironically, I probably had the same hairdo exactly from, like, about 1984 to 2000. You mean a mullet or a, no, just not a the mullet. same other? Just the same. Okay. Yeah, it just didn't change. Okay, it's good I'm, to know. I'm, Thank I'm you, kinda... James. I just feel closer but, I mean, to you so, now. I mean, I, you know, I, kinda, I was stuck in the 80s, I suppose, but not so obnoxiously so that... I had a mullet. So you mentioned eight people there. Are, they, are, the, are you talking about the eight contestants or are there... There were eight seem- contestants. Okay, because I'm thinking more likely there's eight attendees. <laughs> that may have been the whole festival. I don't know. I mean... It was... <laughs> Maybe 15 because they came with a spouse or a girlfriend or something. Who knows? Somebody had to hand out the prize. Okay, the odds of somebody with a mullet having a girlfriend... <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I'm sure there's good, decent people out there with a mullet just saying it might be time to wake up. It's the new 20s. Yeah, maybe we should take a break and ponder that. Yes, let's ponder that. All right. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. One more segment of hilarity, or hilarity, depending on how you pronounce it. And we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a faux fun Friday afternoon. James Blend is with me in studio, and we are just taking a look at the lighter side of the news. Also, at the 5 o'clock hour, we'll refresh headline news, and we'll share our interview of the week. So stay with us. Yes, please do. Now, you don't remember yesterday, that beautiful spring-like day. The sun was high. The daffodils were swaying in the breeze. It was beautiful. You remember that? Things seem to be changing really quick these days. Snow possible overnight in Portland. Now, I noticed on Facebook a lot of my friends were posting pictures of snow already falling in their neighborhoods. I drove through snow this morning coming in. We had a little snow here at the building. I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. As I went over you know, the sil- by the Sylvan Tunnel over the hill there, it was all snow, and it was coming down to the point of affecting visibility to an extent for me. Yeah, well, we but it had... wasn't like I couldn't see five feet in front of me like a blizzard, but it was like... It was snow. It was snow. Heavy, it was definite snow. There was no rain in there. Well, it may just be a wintry mix, but the forecast is a tough call, and no person should be surprised if snow accumulation takes hold. That's a, a quote from a, a meteorologist. Huh? A, real, a real meteorologist? Well, a, <laughs> yeah. A weather system that's um, this weekend is going to bring near record cold to the northwest after we've had such beautiful weather. So don't be surprised if the ground is white when you wake up on Saturday. Well, snow levels will drop to 1,000 feet and possibly even lower on Friday night and into Saturday morning. Wow. Well, you would think that it had been too warm lately for it to stick on yeah, the roads. Yeah, you'd think. Well, low ev- elevation cities such as Portland... Uh, We'll see snow or a wintry mix with temperatures most likely uh, holding at about 32 degrees. But the forecast is a tough call and no person should be surprised. Uh, The meteorologist added that any snow that does land likely wouldn't stick around much past morning. Saturday daytime temps will be in the 40s. Uh, Dry weather returns on Saturday night uh, with east winds and another round of freezing temperatures. What? What a part of spring. Well, of course, we're not really there yet. 
No, wait, wait, what? Pretty mild uh, weather. Literally, a, isn't it literally a week from now? I believe so. Twentieth, I believe. Pretty close, yeah. Twentieth, twenty-first, somewhere in there. So we're yeah, we're very close. And I, I, I was driving in, and I called our program director. I said, "You're not gonna believe this. I'm getting, in, I'm in traffic because of snow. Yeah, and it's March thirteenth. I'm we, not making this up. We've had pretty mild weather, so I suppose snow is, or rather, winter is just saying I'm going to have just one more. Just remind you, I still exist. Yeah, I'm still here. Don't get too excited about what's coming. Otherwise, they're live I mean, in the moment. You know, I was actually thinking and saying a couple of days ago that, I mean, I had literally had not seen any snow this Yeah, this winter. This winter. And so I, we were actually talking about maybe one weekend, as things calmed down a bit, uh, driving up to the mountain and catching some snow yeah. and playing in the snow a little bit. But uh, you know, I was just like, oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> now you don't have to. Now You've I don't have snow. to. Yep, it's here. Well, winter driving can be unpleasant, dangerous, and for people who work to keep roads conditions safe, time-consuming. The long hours that Justin Horak, a snowplow driver in Montana, passes behind the wheel, recently gave him musical inspiration. He recently recorded himself belting a lighthearted plea for other drivers to respect the plow. Respect the plow. When his young daughter convinced him to post the video on YouTube, he never expected it to take off. But in the three weeks since he uploaded County Plow Guy, the video has racked up more than 13,000 views. He says, I just have been so amazed with the response. I made it as a joke just for myself and maybe a few of my coworkers, and it's just exploded. I think people like uh, to just see a normal guy go out there and do something different. Well, that seems to be the way of things today. Well, now radio stations around the state are airing his tune. A country station in Bozeman even wants him to re-record it in studio with instrumentals. Oh, my goodness. His lyrics set to the tune of Jimmy Webb's Wichita Lineman a song that was made famous by Glenn Campbell many years ago, are an ode to the travails of plow drivers and a friendly reminder of two fellow drivers to be courteous and slow down. The song also warns against tailgating and trying to pass the snowplow. Well, in place of alignment for the county, of course, Horak designates himself as plowman for the county. I see you giving me, well, we won't go all the lyrics, that's a bit excessive, but anyway, country plow guy, maybe a parody, but he takes music very seriously. He studied music at Montana State University and the University of Montana. He wrote the piano music for his own wedding. Right now, he sings in Bozeman's symphonic and chamber choirs. He's had several parts in Bozeman's um, Intermountain Opera, for which he devotes about six months in pre- of preparation. Music has always been a huge, huge part of my life, he says. People have different ways of um, uh, that they use it, but everybody uses it in some sort of personal way. And anyway, he says he probably won't release another song for a while. Right now, he's busy preparing to audition for another opera, The Marriage of Figaro. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. That was impressive. Yeah, pretty... Encore? No. Okay. No. Uh, let's see, I have two versions of this story. This one's easier to read. Um, an international team of astronomers has discovered an uh, exoplanet where it rains iron. Iron. Yeah. In a statement, Spain's Institute for Astrophysics of the Canary Islands explained the exoplanet WASP-76b has days when its temperatures exceed 2,400 degrees Celsius. That's about 4,352 degrees Fahrenheit which is hot enough to evaporate metals. Hard to imagine. Uh, Its nights with strong winds cool down the iron vapor so that it condenses into drops of iron, scientists said in the release. The exoplanet is located 360 million light years away toward the constellation Pisces, 
Uh, a light year, which measures distance in space, equals about 6 trillion miles. The remarkable conditions of WASP-76b were discovered using the Echelle spectrograph for rocky exoplanets and stable spectroscopic observations, or ESPRESSO. That's actually with an S, so it is ESPRESSO. Uh, the high-resolution instrument, which is uh, co-directed by IAC, is installed on the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope in Chile. Well, the research paper was published in the scientific journal Nature, if you want to, um, to learn more. Raining, Raining iron. iron. So Instead I'm of purple that, rain, it's iron rain. I was going to say, or chocolate rain. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the one th- good thing about iron rain is you'll never have wrinkled clothes on that planet. No, you probably won't. That's so interesting. My father, by the way, my father not only designed and put those planets and exoplanets and stars in place, but he actually manages them. He knows each one of them by name, and uh, he oversees all of that, while at the same time managing everything in the miniature world, uh, even the, the chaotic things in the world. He oversees all of that. He knows all about this corona thing, this COVID-19. He knows all the, co- the various iterations of coronaviruses that have come and gone and come and will probably come again. So I'm not too worried about it all. He's got his hand on it, managing everything. That breath I just took, he oversaw that. Couldn't have done it without him. So I'm not going to worry. He knows the number of my days. He knows the hairs on my head. So I'm going to do everything I'm being asked to do for the sake of my neighbor. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to try to be as hygienic as I possibly can. I'm going to try to be, uh, what is it, uh, social, uh, socially distant from people. But I don't I'm even not going to be panic. asked to do that. No, I, I know yeah. that's just yeah. your natural mm-hmm. mode. But I'm not going to panic. finally have a term for it. So anyway. Well, the good news is, you know, as, as we're getting ready, um, I, I, I do have something to bring forward that will give you a little bit of a respite. Uh-huh. I, I have a list of all the activities that we can do in Portland this weekend. Really? Yep. And they are one. That was it. Those were them. W- what was it? There are none. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I Ain't nothing it. left open. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm going to keep my hands clean and make sure I'm well and spend time with my mom, who I'm I'm trying to be very careful for her sake. She's 89 and... I see her exceeding 90, so we're going to take good care of her. And you, I, One thing I would suggest is people who are isolated in nursing homes, you know, the veterans home recently, they have a, mm-hmm. a few patients there, and you're not permitted to visit people. While kids are home from school, find out the address of some of the local uh, senior homes and send cards and letters and just let them know, hey, we know you're there. We're praying for you. We're thinking about you, and here's a picture. You know, just think about oh, yeah, my, my daughter. My daughter did that for my uh, my dad, who can't receive yeah, mail at his facility. Right. But uh, we sent it over to my aunt, and she's going to drop it off uh, for for them. But, um, yeah, yeah we may they not can't be... receive visitors, but they right, can receive right. a card. Yeah. We might not be able to roll the window down in our homes and sing out the you know out of our homes, but we can do something to reach out to us. Others and just be a blessing and an encouragement. So. I'd be entertained to see someone try, though, with the singing out the window thing. I might try that this weekend. Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> just saying. All right. We need to take a break. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. And when we return, we'll share with you some of the headlines as they are developing throughout the day and our interview of the week. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Hey, we're back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up, we're going to have our interview of the week with Jeff Myers, Unquestioned Answers, Rethinking 10 Christian Clichés to Rediscover Biblical Truth. Also, a prayer request from Ravi Zacharias will tell you all about that and what the virus might teach us as we navigate through this very troubling time for our neighbors. I also want to let you know that the Encourage Gathering, the women's event that was to take place this weekend, that has been postponed. And note carefully the use of the word postpone. They're planning on rescheduling sometime this summer. So while it's not taking place this weekend, it will take place sometime this summer. It is, of course, a great disappointment. A lot has been invested in making this an amazing event for women in our community. And I believe God's going to do something amazing uh, in that conference. So it's it's disappointing. It's discouraging. And by the way, you can go to the Encourage uh, Gathering uh, Facebook page or the website. And Tara has placed a, a short video there explaining everything and being quite honest about her disappointment, but also her hope and just knowing that God understood what was going to happen before it happened and that we're all anticipating great things when the conference does take place uh, this summer. But again, want to make note that the Encourage Conference at Rolling Hills Church scheduled for uh, this evening and all day tomorrow has been postponed and uh, will be rescheduled. Stay in touch with Encourage and they will let you know when those new dates. And I'll certainly do the same uh, to let you know when those uh, new dates are scheduled. So keep these uh, these women in your prayers. Again, so much goes into uh, preparing for and providing for a conference of this magnitude. And this was a national conference, people coming from all over uh, the country with uh, just incredible things to offer women in our community. And my prayer is that while it's being postponed, fewer um, that more women will come to the conference in the summer than could come uh, this weekend, and that it will be even greater um, ministry in our community than we anticipated. So just want to make sure you know that. Well, taking a look at some of the headlines, as you know, the president had a press conference earlier today in which he declared a national emergency. And with that, that comes with uh, some new provisions uh, to make sure that the national response and the state and local response to this virus uh, is being managed well. And in that announcement, he is partnering with some national private uh, businesses that will elevate the capacity to reach out to and provide for members of our communities. So uh, good news there. Also, Governor Kate Brown addressed the media to questions um, at an uh, announcement that schools will be closed statewide between Monday, March the 16th, and Tuesday, March the 31st. That press conference uh, took place via teleconference, uh, making sure that social distancing is practiced even by the governor of the state of Oregon. She was joined by on that call by the Oregon Department of Education Director, Colt Gill, by the Oregon Early Learning System Director, Miriam Cauldron, uh, Portland Public School Superintendent Guadalupe Guerrera, um, Salem Kaiser Public School Superintendent Christy Perry, and Hillsborough School District Mike Scott, uh, saying that schools are critical institutions that provide important services for all our students. Uh, and during this crisis, I have worked h- hard to ensure those critical services continue. However, schools are experiencing critical shortages in staff, and superintendents are concerned for school personnel who are at elevated risk. The governor uh, said that sending Oregon children home will not stop the spread of the coronavirus. This is a trying time for our community, and I am reluctant to increase the burden on families who are already struggling to adapt to and stay healthy during this crisis. However, we are left with little choice in light of school districts, staff, 
staff capacity and operational concerns. I want to thank all of the teachers and school employees who have worked hard to keep our schools open until now. And um, again, making the announcement that schools would be closed throughout the state of Oregon from March the 16th through the 31st. And then, of course, uh, there will be an update uh, probably close to that uh, that time at the end of the month. Uh, determining what will happen from that point forward. Now, there have been some coronavirus scams that uh, we need to be aware of. Uh, It causes the disease known as COVID-19. It's a perfect opportunity because it can prompt normally rational people to let their guard down and fall uh, fall for scams, according to an advisory from the Secret Service. Specifically, the Secret Service warned Americans about phishing, that's spelled, of course, with a P-H, with a phishing, a widely used scam where an email appears to be from a reputable company such as a major bank or tech company with the aim of getting victims to hand over sensitive personal information like users' names, passwords, and credit card information. Well, cyber criminals are exploiting the crisis by sending emails that appear to be from legitimate medical or health organizations, according to the Secret Service. In one case... Um, Victims got a fraudulent email from a fake medical organization with attachments purported to have important information about COVID-19. This led to either unsuspecting victims opening the attachment, causing malware to infect their system, or prompting the victim to enter their email login credentials. Do not fall for these phishing these phishing schemes. And then James just handed me this. Portland police will stop responding in person to calls that aren't life-threatening citing the coronavirus. Now, this is a bit um, sobering to consider that the first responders that we count on, unless there's a life-threatening event, will not be responding in person. The new policy is meant to lessen officers' exposure to the new coronavirus that is circulating in our community. Uh, The new policy is meant uh, to lessen that exposure and try to increase the chances that large numbers of uh, members of the force won't be uh, struck with the virus at once. Police say that they need to retain the ability to respond to life-threatening emergencies. Um, That's their number one priority. That just in. Is this all one story here, James? Thank you for passing that along. Well, Louisiana is moving to postpone their April 4th presidential primary due to concerns over the coronavirus outbreak. State election officials announced uh, today the primary, which includes mayoral races and local propositions, as well as the presidential ballot, would instead be held June the 20th according to the Louisiana Secretary of State. Today I have certified that a state of emergency exists and requested that the governor issue an executive order postponing the election this spring. We have requested postponing the April 4th primary until the 20th of June and postponing the May 9th general election until June, or rather July 25th. We also learned that Brazil's president uh, has tested negative for coronavirus, according to his son, contradicting earlier reports that the South American leader had tested positive. Reports out of Brazil had initially indicated that the um, Brazilian president had tested positive, and his son appeared to confirm this on Fox News earlier on Friday, adding that further testing was being done to confirm the diagnosis, and the second set of testing was expected later in the day. In a subsequent appearance on America's newsroom, uh, the son of the Brazilian president denied his father had uh, ever tested positive. The host um, uh, was a bit puzzled, as was uh, were all of the viewers. I don't have this information, he replied when pressed. The information I have is the results that just came in telling that he is negative for coronavirus. I never uh, listened uh, that it was um, a positive in the first exam. This is something that I don't know. Anyway, it was a bit confusing, but what we know at this point is 
the president of Brazil, who was in close proximity to President uh, Trump, who shook hands at one point just days ago, does not have the coronavirus. Meanwhile, Canadian government officials announced uh, Thursday night that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's wife, Sophia Trudeau, tested positive for the coronavirus and will remain in isolation for the time being. They also said the prime minister is in good health and his wife is feeling well, showing mild symptoms. Uh, it's not clear if he will also um, self-quarantine. Well, we learned today that the Augusta National Golf Club announced that the Masters Tournament will be postponed over the coronavirus outbreak, following in the footsteps of other uh, professional sports leagues across the world. And the uh, president, as I mentioned, declared a national emergency over the coronavirus, enlisting the private sector today in a uh, a very long presser that uh, ended with a long period of questions. Uh, The president said, uh, declaring the national emergency over the virus, Um, that uh, disruptions to the economy and American life uh, would be substantial, but uh, the partnership with major U.S. companies would expand testing capabilities while saying he believes the crisis will pass. The president also announced that he would likely be tested for the virus fairly soon after having been uh, in contact with individuals who have self-quarantined or tested positive for the virus. Speaking to reporters, the president also said his administration is working to dramatically increase the availability of tests amid concerns over the availability across the country. We are announcing a new partnership with the private sector to vastly increase and accelerate our capacity to test for the coronavirus. The president said during the Rose Garden press conference, we want people to take a test quickly if they need it, uh, but we don't want people to take the test if we feel they shouldn't be doing it. The president's uh, declaration of a national emergency means that he will enact the Robert S. Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act, which allows the White House to mobilize the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, and direct federal aid to states hit by disaster and health crisis. I am officially declaring a national emergency. Two very big words, Trump continued. The action I will take will open up access to more than $50 billion and a large amount of money for states, territories, and localities. He said, we've been working very hard on this. We will overcome the threat of the virus. Well, according to the latest FEMA report to Congress, which was transmitted on the 29th of last month, There are $42.6 billion in the Disaster Relief Fund, which can be tapped under a Stafford Act declaration. So this is a a significant announcement made on the part of the president uh, to determine that uh, greater resources will now be made available to uh, counteract this virus. Coming up, we're going to share with you our interview of the week. That is with Jeff Myers. His book is titled Unquestioned Answers, Rethinking 10 Christian Cliches to Rediscover Biblical Truth. These are cliches that have a grain of truth to them, but they are simplistic and oftentimes mask a broader truth and can sometimes stifle genuine uh, questions about the faith. And for those who um, uh, who are, are struggling with certain doubts, it can stifle Uh, uh, going deeper on some of these issues. So we'll talk with Jeff Myers for our interview of the week. And in the last segment of the program, we'll tell you what uh, Ravi Zacharias is asking all of us to do on his behalf. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, you're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. 
And uh, well, before I tell you about uh, Ravi Zacharias and what he's asked all of us to do on his behalf, I want to give you an update. That apparently, Democratic congressional leaders and the Trump administration, they've reached a deal on sweeping federal response to the intensifying coronavirus crisis that includes sick leave for affected workers and increased funding to cover the cost of testing for all Americans. That includes the uninsured. The agreement was announced on uh, Friday afternoon by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She spent uh, days negotiating with the Treasury Secretary. Steve Mnuchin. Trump and lawmakers have been under pressure to ease fears over the spread of the deadly coronavirus and how individuals who are underinsured or uninsured uh, might be able to get what they need, not just the testing, but the care that may follow. So that agreement apparently has been made, although we are still awaiting a vote in the House to see if it will pass muster there. Well, world-renowned Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias announced in a Facebook post yesterday that he has a, excuse me, that he has a malignant tumor of the sacrum, a very rare cancer called sarcoma. Uh, The 73-year-old posted um, that we wanted to give you an update on my health, as uh, we know so many of you have been praying, and we are so grateful. As many of you know, I underwent surgery to repair my back three weeks ago today. The surgery was considered a success, and the surgeon felt it was a strong reconstruction. However, since the surgery, I have faced very severe pain, so intense in the night especially that I have been unable to sleep. While we have assumed this pain was a natural consequence of the surgery, we have learned in the past week that a biopsy taken during the procedure revealed that I have a malignant tumor on my sacrum, a very rare cancer called a sarcoma. Indeed, we now know this is the cause of my extreme pain. In the past few days, we have been meeting with specialists to determine the next course of action. They will uh, wait until I am fully healed from my back surgery, and in four to five weeks, will we begin treatment to shrink the tumor. I will not plan to resume speaking at least until the summer, he shared. The apologist, someone who specialized in uh, explaining and defending the Christian faith, went on to explain that the tumor was discovered during his recent surgery. We are trusting the Lord in this, and we believe we have already seen evidence of his hand. For example, the tumor did not show up in any previous scans and was only discovered by my surgeon identifying it during surgery. Zacharias also thanked people around the world for their prayers, saying we received literally thousands of messages from people all over the world saying we are praying for you. I have every belief God directed and prompted my surgeons to his discovery of this tumor. Margie and I and our family are so grateful for your continued prayers for the journey that lies ahead. He also said his ministry was in good hands in his absence. Several of our remarkable speaking team members have been uh, able to step in for me as I am off-road and during this time of surgery and recovery. Those of you who will have uh, heard any of our team members speak will uh, have been blessed, I am sure. They will continue to step in for me during this extended time. I am grateful for the love and support of a team and for my friendship, and for your friendships, rather. We are trusting the Lord for his purpose. Please do also pray that God will take away this horrific night pain which is the most difficult part of waiting. Uh, He revealed, in the meantime, I want to express my heartfelt thanks for supporting the ministry as it goes forward around the world unabated. We need you to continue to stand with us. Signed by Ravi Zacharias. Also want to give you a quick glimpse of some of what's coming up uh, on the program next week. We'll be talking on Monday with David Taylor, Open and Unafraid, the Psalms as a Guide to Life. That's on Monday. We'll also be talking with Tim Betcher. He uh, is and his wife uh, are engaged in Cadence International. It's a ministry to men and women in the military. He'll tell us all about that on Monday. On Tuesday, Robert Nash will be my guest. Last words, seven sayings from the heart of Christ on the cross. We'd actually scheduled that uh, earlier, and he became ill, so we've rescheduled that interview. I'm looking forward 
to talking with Mr. Nash. And John Ellis will be my guest on Wednesday, the breakdown of higher education, how it happened, the damage it does, and what can be done. On Thursday, our World Concern Radiothon will give you an opportunity to respond to a famine that's uh, really not being covered much in the news. And then on Friday, we'll do much of what we did here today, take a look at the lighter side of the news while at the same time featuring well the headline as well. Well, so there are some things that we can learn from the coronavirus as we are facing a very, uh, well, it's really an unprecedented set of circumstances, um, unusual for us in the 21st century. We are learning a number of things. This global crisis is teaching us how weak we are as human, human beings. We can sometimes be somewhat arrogant, imagining because of our technology and our advancements that we are invincible. Well, we are not. At the, at the time of this broadcast, 98,429 cases of coronavirus have been reported worldwide, causing More than 3,300 deaths. Uh, We're trying our best to contain its spread, and for the most part, I guess we're confident of uh, an eventual success, but uh, that will come in the future. We also learn that we are essentially all equal. This virus doesn't respect ethnic boundaries or national borders. It's not a Chinese virus. It's It's our virus. It's in Afghanistan, in Belgium, Cambodia, Denmark, France, America, and world leaders as well as people whose names are unknown all have it. In our suffering, in the pain of losing a loved one, we are completely equal, weak, and without answers. And our loss of control. We all love to be in control. We fancy ourselves captains of our destiny, masters of our fate, but the reality is that today, more than ever before, we can control significant parts of our lives, but we, we can't control significant parts of our lives at the same time. And the pain we share is being excluded, in being excluded. A few days ago, a member of a church in northern Italy uh, was not able to gather with other believers. On her return to Naples, she was excluded from a dinner with work colleagues. She was told it would be better for her not to come due to the recent travel up north, even though she hadn't been anywhere near the red zone and wasn't displaying any coronavirus symptoms. Now we're all told that we need to engage in social distancing, something we are not very um, practiced at. So being excluded, we share together. And the difference between fear and faith. What's your reaction to this crisis? It's so easy to be gripped by fear. It's easy to see the coronavirus everywhere you look, on the keyboard of your computer, in the air you breathe, in every physical contact and around every corner waiting to infect you. And you might feel a bit panicked. Perhaps this crisis is challenging us to react in a different way, with faith and not fear. Faith not in the stars or in some unknown deity, rather faith in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, who's also the resurrection and the life. Or perhaps this crisis is challenging us to react in a different way, with faith and not fear. Surely only Jesus is in control of this situation. Surely only he can guide us through the storm. He calls us to trust and believe, to have faith and not fear. And we can learn that our need of God and our need for prayer is intensified. We are more aware of what's always true. In the midst of a global crisis, how can we as individuals possibly make a difference? Often we feel so small and insignificant, but there is something we can do. We can call out to the Father in heaven. We have access to the throne of grace, and that is an amazing thing. We also learn the vanity of so much of our lives. Vanity of vanities, said the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanities in Ecclesiastes 1-2. It's so easy to lose perspective in the midst of the madness of our lives. Our days are so filled with people and projects, works and wish lists, homes and holidays, that we can struggle to distinguish the important from the urgent. We lose ourselves in the midst of our lives. So perhaps this crisis is showing us what to concern our lives with. Perhaps it's teaching us what's really important in our 
lives and what is vanity. Finally, we learn hope in the midst of a crisis. In a sense, the most important question is not what hope do you have in the face of this coronavirus, because Jesus came to warn us of the presence of a far more lethal and widespread virus, one that has struck every man, woman, and child, a virus that ends in not only certain death, but eternal death, separation from God. Our species, according to Jesus, lives in the grip of a pandemic outbreak. It's called sin. What is your hope in the face of that virus? Well, our species, according to Jesus, lives in the grip of a pandemic called sin. So perhaps our hope is found or renewed or focused on what really matters. Jesus himself. I wish we had more time to go into that, but we are out of time. Have a good weekend. I want to thank James Blend for... um, for engineering and producing. I can get this out today's program. And thank you for listening. Have a great, safe weekend. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.